Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses. We all on our telephones with the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the thread. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too with my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. talk about the killer bees buxton and baldelli we'll also get into the twins surviving a very difficult stretch of schedule and remaining in first place with challenges ahead this is the chin music show part of talknorth.com follow us on twitter at talknorthpod see all the shows as they are released go to talknorth.com to check out all the shows the increasing uh variety and number of shows we have at the network and we do recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast apps. Easy, easiest way to listen. It's also free. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, gentlemen, they, you know, when I wrote about Buxton a few weeks ago, they were talking about, hey, he needs his rest. He can't DH because his knee hurts when he swings. He can't pinch hit uh, right now because uh, we need him to have full rehab days. We're hoping to get 100, maybe 110 games out of him. Here we are, uh, however many weeks later, he is on pace to play 120 games this year. He has been in the lineup with increasing frequency. Now he is able to DH. Now they will use him as a pinch hitter, and he seems to be running well, and and he's hitting home runs. Uh, Roy, let's start with you today. Is this plan working? Was this the right way to go? Well, it sure sounds like uh, it is. I mean, the proof's in the pudding, as they say, and, and um, I mean, we don't know whether the rest – is the is the reason but you know oftentimes uh, uh coincidental things are uh turn out to be uh ca- causation things so um I, I i think it's probably i mean if he plays 120 games we'll all be happy uh i hope that he can play you know stretches at a time uh you know long stretches at a time you know and it's not you know play two days and rest and play two days and rest but uh, you know, obviously, uh, he is he is the guy in the lineup, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna win more games with him in the lineup one way or the other than without, and they need him. And so, you know, the the converse of that is, you know, I'd like to see him play long stretches of uh, of games, but a a. a Worse scenario than him not playing long stretches, uh, you know, just as rest would be not playing long stretches because he got hurt again. So, you know, I mean, I think I, I think the uh, what they're doing right now, uh, as much as I'd like to see him play more consecutive games in center field, it I, I can't argue with the fact that it's working. Lavelle? I'm just I'm just glad that Rocco finally listened to me about uh, activating Buxton. If you need to win the game uh, in an eighth or ninth inning, don't be afraid to um, you know have him run into a phone booth and change into Superman and come out come out to the plate or the field and try to come up with a hit or, or score a run to win the game for the team. That's just one of the things I was at, uh, concerned about with this when we were trying to figure out this work schedule. How rigid was the schedule? How flexible? Is Rocco to, you know, use Buxton on the days he's supposed to be off? Um, 
I got another suggestion for Rocco to make it a little bit easier as well. Um, and this is a variation of uh, of uh, Phil Jackson's use of uh, Michael Jordan because uh, the way Phil got 40 minutes out of Michael for like the bulk of the regular season, when big games came up with the playoffs, everything went out the window. But um, Phil Jackson would uh, play Jordan for 10 minutes in the first quarter and then take him out for the final two minutes. So he'd sit for the first two minutes of the uh, final two minutes of the first, the entire break between the first and second quarter, and then the first two minutes of the second quarter, it insert him, and then he'd do the same thing at the end of the third, at the beginning of the fourth. I I think Rocco and the Twins should look at. We have spots in the schedule um, when there's an off day coming up, and you're trying to schedule rest days for for Buck. If there is a uh, if there's a game that Bucking can get a rest day before an off day and give him two consecutive days off to rest or mend that knee, um, go about it that way. Um, kind of a mini break, you know, every now and then um, in the schedule. But we we don't know, you know, how bad the knee is or how much it's bothering him. It's a chance maybe it's gotten better and maybe it's uh, getting to the point where you know they feel comfortable putting him out there some more. But yes. Buck being on pace for 120 games is a good thing. I Part of me always believed that when that 100-game thing got thrown out there, it just got thrown out there without any rhyme or reason. And I can't believe they sat in the room and said, let's try to get him to 100 games. And I know, um, you know, looking at his, his past uh, usage record, that, you know, 100 games would be like um, the most he's played in, you know, several years. Um, but it just seemed like it was a low – it was a low threshold for him to um, overcome, and it looks like he's going to overcome it safely. So maybe with some tweaking how he's used in other ways, you know, maybe he can get a little bit more than that. And the reality is we're dealing with tendonitis here. It's, and I've had tendonitis before. Some days it, it hurts. Some days you wake up and it doesn't hurt, and there's not necessarily any causation that you can point to. And they were obviously being, you know, the way he reacted when he slid into second base in Boston – they felt like they had to become hyper uh, conservative with his usage. And he was hurting at that time. I was told that he was in severe pain and playing through it. And now the tendonitis doesn't hurt as much. It's that simple. You know, they found whatever they found, he is actually uh, he is actually healthier. He feels better. Now you can do the things you didn't th- do before. Also, on pace. We know what on pace means. Um, on pace, you know, somebody who's on pace to hit 800 home runs doesn't end up in hitting 800 home runs. He has mm-hmm. a slump or injuries come into play. Uh, if he goes on the injury list, injury list once, he's going to end up back at them hoping to get him in 100 games. So, so you know, everything. The thing about their plan, his his health, his feelings about his health, I mean, all these things are, sub, are basically subject to change. And the fact that uh, once he started feeling better, they played him more, uh, I think should allay the fans' fears that they were somehow trying to restrict this guy's action. They, they wanted to play every day. They just want to do it responsibly. All right. And the thing about tendonitis is because I've had it and I, with some, someone like me, when I have tendonitis in one knee, I usually injured the other knee because I'm overcompensating for, for the bad knee. So um, I don't know how players are able to do that. Cause when I get tendonitis, I'm like, my God, I got to put my leg up and, and just stay off. Of it. And then I, I'm, I, I'm amazed that they can go out and run around and do things. But of course they're athletes. I'm not. The lineup today, we have, uh, let's say, Lavelle is our uh, our, on ba- our on-base percentage leader and our leadoff hitter. Roy is our Roy Smalley, former Twins great, current Twins 
Announcer is our cleanup hitter. I'm the slap hitter in the middle. My name is Jim Suhan. Lavelle and I work for the Star Tribune. Hmm? I'm on location. Are you? Yes. Where are you? I'm in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona right now. Oh, wow. What are you doing there? Well, I always take my brother. The last five or six years, I've taken my brother on a Twins road trip uh, during his birthday month of June. Oh, cool. And so it just kind of fell into our, our laps that uh, Arizona would be the trip here. So we're in for the Diamondbacks, Diamondback series. Excellent. So I'll be at tonight's game and tomorrow's game. So Beautiful. Uh, so that's our lineup. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. Thanks to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music show at TalkNorth.com. Thanks also to Perfect Ash and TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, it's going to be a long, interesting season for the Twins, uh, and they're going to be increasingly popular as the season goes on. If you'd like to advertise with the show, you can reach Karen Cleary, our sales executive at KCLEARY at talknorth.com. Thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, so right now, we see Buxton hitting home runs, playing excellent defense when he's in the lineup. He is not stealing bases, and he's not hitting for average. Roy, are you comfortable with these, uh, these performance metrics, or would you like to see more out of Buxton in another area? I think that... Um... You know, Byron's a you know thirty thirty type of uh, type of player, uh, thirty home runs and thirty steals um, in a uh, in a season. And I mean, it, and if he were to stay healthy enough to play one hundred and forty games, I think that's what what would happen. Uh, he'd have to get the batting average up a little bit more. He doesn't walk a lot. He'd have to get the batting average up in order to get to first base enough to to steal that many bases. But my point is that he has that kind of uh, elite talent and I'd like to see um, I, I'll take whatever I can get yeah, I, I, play in the kind of center field he plays and, and hitting a bunch of home runs and hitting them in big spots okay it, it, it's you know 230 that, that's it's still okay that's not him that's and that's that's not his talent that's not his uh, his mental framework I don't I don't think and so I'm looking for him to you know, get into a streak where he he kind of finds his groove and and uh, and goes off like uh, like he did last uh, April of last year. Um, it may be as I've talked about before with his swing and with being in and out of the lineup uh, a little bit. Uh, it may be that um, for him to to hit for a higher average uh, is going to happen in big clusters, kind of like. Uh, the way guys hit home runs, you know, what, uh, a, whole, a home run or two generally leads to a streak where you hit a bunch. Uh, and that's kind of where Byron is now. But the other the other way works, too, and that is you find something about how to get hits uh, when you're not hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And and then you, you go on a, you know, hitting 400 tear for, you know, two or three weeks. And he certainly has that. Uh, that in him uh, we've seen that before could be that he's not just going to break from the gate one you know any given year hit 300 in every month it could be that he goes through streaks like this uh, contributes with home runs and defense and then goes through streaks where he's the best hitter in the game you know and, and his average comes back up where it, where it ought to be so yeah the answer to your question the you know the long-winded answer to your question I'm okay with what they're getting there's just so much more in that tank that, um, you know, I'm looking forward to that. 
I am uh, expecting another Buxton explosion here pretty soon, especially if he's um, if the, uh, the the workload plan is going well and his knee is feeling a little bit better. And I guess if he starts trying to steal bases again, that'd be a signal that's really uh, feeling better. But I am expecting another explosion here. He hit that one rough uh, patch here, um, end of May, I think, in the beginning of June. I think he had about a two week run where. Uh, he could have hit a bull in the ass with a snow shovel, and his uh, and his numbers all dipped. But um, you look at his numbers now, and you see some potential here that it looks like he's still ascending. He just doesn't have the bat now to show for it. He's played 13 fewer games than he did last year, but he uh, he almost has the same amount of home runs. He's got 18 now. He hit 19 all last year. Um, he's got already more walks this year than he did last year, 17 to 13, uh, and he struck out fewer times uh, right now in 13 fewer games than he did all of last year. So I think his ability to barrel the ball has improved. Um, I still think he's still, you know, maturing as a hitter. And he just, I think he just had the, one, the rough spot when he was trying to play and manage the knee and maybe things just weren't clicking. So I'm, I'm waiting here. I'm waiting to see another Buxton, Buxton bash here when he gets really hot and maybe uh, gets the average up. Because uh, he hit 306 yet last year, and I don't know if he's a 300 hitter uh, all the time, but it seems like someone like him should be able to hit for 250, 260. And we're still going to have the same, you know, hitting traits from Buxton, I think, uh, as he's shown in the past, is that when he touches the ball, it's extra base hit, you know, and because he doesn't draw a lot of walks, he's not on first base a lot. So um, we don't see the stolen bases when he's healthy. And uh, uh, that's why we see a huge slugging percentage because he's always getting extra base hits. And I think that is coming from the young man as long as he stays healthy. Let's get to Rocco Baldelli here. And first, we do want to thank uh, Corona, Perfect Ash, and TSR Injury Law. Lavelle, tell us about Perfect Ash. Well, I will tell you this about Perfect Ash. Located in Evergrove Heights, has more than 340 uh, makes and models of cigars in a humidor in a luscious smoking lounge with leather seats and TVs. I would imagine right now um, there's probably people gathered there already to watch the U S open um, and, uh, and, and spend time with like-minded individuals. And if you want to get to know some of these people better on September 12th at, at, um, at Hastings country club, the perfect ash will be holding a golf tournament there. And it will, the pro, which proceeds will be donated to the local Shriners. Um, and we all know the Shriners do great work, uh, not just in the twin cities, but across America. So, September 15th, contact the Perfect Ash in Rigo Heights, Minnesota. Thanks also to TSR Injury Law, moving to really impressive, beautiful new offices in South Bloomington. Uh, they are up there in the penthouse suites because they win a lot of cases. They will win your case. They will not charge you unless they win your, your case. If you ever need an injury lawyer, 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. Remember, Corona is the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. All right, so, you know, Rocco Baldelli gets second-guessed a lot, and sometimes you get second-guessed on this show. Certainly get second-guessed by average fans uh, all the time. And I think what's important to remember when we hear a lot of second-guessing of any manager is that every manager in every market, regardless of circumstance, gets second-guessed. Joe Torre got second-guessed a lot as a Yankee manager. Tom Kelly got second-guessed the years that the Twins won World Series. It's just the nature of the position. We have to go to the record. And with all kinds of different challenges facing him, he's winning 55% of his games. Uh, 
he's in third place for the third of his four seasons as a new major league manager. I just don't think you can argue with the overall results, even if you can always quibble with a manager's moves. Lavelle, why don't you start us off with your reaction to that? Yeah, I read your column, Jim, and I agreed uh, with 99.9% of it. I think Rocco's a very solid manager. I think he's a good handler of men and, and workloads, and he understands you know, mon- the modern player. Um, and you know, as you have seen it, and I've seen it too, and we've experienced it traveling the country covering baseball. You listen to these sports talk shows across America, they bitch about the same things in every city, um, batting orders and how the bullpen's used. Um, as you pointed out, Joe Torrey took heat in, uh, in New York. Joe Madden took heat in Tampa Bay. Um, uh, uh, even uh, Dave Roberts in the, with the Dodgers gets second guessed all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's rumors over there that the research department pretty much tells them what pitcher they use. So um, I, I just I think it's just uh, I think it's just low hanging fruit sometimes for some fans to complain about what the managers is, is doing. I get up so too i still will and i think i told rocco this too i still think jake odorizzi's got to start one of those two games in new york in the playoffs a few years ago yeah you could not start randy dobnak in game two at yankee stadium you just don't I, you just can't i don't know what matrix they were looking through <laughs> to come up with that decision uh but uh you cannot put dobnak out there that's just my belief and i'm and i hope maybe rocco as he gets more experience maybe gets a little more uh comfortable Going with his gut, going with his feel instead of what the hard stats are telling him, and and, and when it, um, when it's time to make a decision about pitcher usage or or bullpen bullpen moves or or how to set up a start rotation, but it comes with experience. Yeah, I you know for me, it's th- this is an easy uh, this is an easy conversation for me to have because it you know generally takes about one sentence and. <clears throat> For you know, one sentence from me is is almost impossible to fathom. But um, <laughs> it, it, uh, it, it, managers don't get stupid. I try to give as few sentences as possible. Managers don't get stupid overnight. If they if they've won, uh, they've won for a reason. The primary one being that they had good players. Uh, secondary one is they used the players really well over the course of the season and they kept to, to Lavelle, one of Lavelle's points. They, they managed the personalities and, and, and the team personality collectively and individually uh, during the course of the season. Managers you know, should be treated like hitters uh, where there's a, there's a batting average and, and, or there's a winning percentage at the end of the year. And regardless of what they do from day to day, uh, it, it you you need to look at you know what they've done over the course of their of a season and over a course uh, over the course of their career uh, as a manager and you know they just if they're if they've been smart one year they don't get stupid the next year it has more to do with uh, with what who the players they have and and what the performance has been like there's a there's a real contradiction a real a real uh, sense of uh, there's a real what's the word um well i'll just call it a dichotomy but it's it's not that exactly uh you guys are talking about uh radio talk shows and all that the the lifeblood of fandom and the actually the lifeblood of a sport is how much bitching there actually is because people are interested you want you want all of this stuff it has nothing to do with how a manager should be uh, 
uh, judged, but it's just part of the beast. You, you have to, if no one was bitching about Rocco, it, it would be a, it'd be a bad thing because there wouldn't be enough, enough interest in the twins or the game. And that's just the nature of the industry is that it, it feeds itself on people being interested and, and having opinions and all that kind of stuff. So, the the contradiction or the or the the rub is um, is kind of like how did a play the fans are saying how did a player or manager do today, and the point is how did the player or manager do for 150 games and and if he's done well in the past, you know he he might make a mistake here or there, a player might go in a slump here or there, but you judge him on what he what he he does over a season and a career. And I think Rocco's been, I think Rocco's been solid. I'm a, I want to throw one more quick thing in there. Cause I had a chance to read, I, God, I just realized I didn't read the infinite show, the old, the entire book. Um, Terry Francona's uh, book on managing was a, a pretty solid read. And I remember something in the first chapter that uh, <laughs> the sentence basically said, people don't know, don't know how much shit a manager has to put up with on a daily basis. <laughs> and and that's the other component here that we don't know when we're sitting in the press box, looking at batting orders or looking at uh pitching lamps going, okay, why is this arranged the way it is? Cause you don't know who's not feeling well in that clubhouse, who had a bad day at home, uh, you know, who's got, you know, who's depressed over something that's going on with his family and all that. Who's sick for the night before who comes to the ballpark throwing up, you know, we don't, the manager, we don't know all that on a daily basis. The manager does. And he also has to uh, fill out lineups and make moves accordingly. And th- those things sometimes we're we're not privy to. And, yeah, one and thing the, that, analytics, the analytics that you get that you're talking about too. Uh, I mean, that's that's a completely new uh, animal for managers that um, that uh, they haven't had to deal with uh, before, and they've got it to 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 your point earlier about maybe Rocco will get more comfortable using his gut. I hope that's the case. Well, I, I've got to believe that one of the biggest irritants for a manager would be try, you know, trying to finesse what he thinks about his players in certain matchups or certain games or whatever, and what the statisticians are, are telling them should, should happen. And, you know, good man, in order to be a good manager these days, you got to finesse that. You have to figure out how to how to best deal with that and, and and put up with the results one way or the other. If you go with your gut over stats and it doesn't work, it doesn't mean you'd never do that again. I mean, sometimes you have a you have a field, you know, to your point, Lavelle, about how your players are doing. Who's you know who who should I use right here right now? I've got to make this decision. And <laughs> it's so easy to make a decision after the fact. <laughs> it's so right. easy to make a decision when you don't have to make it in five seconds and you don't ha- and you will not be responsible for the consequence. And um, it, so, you know, managing is not that easy. And it, it, if guys have been successful, They've been successful because, to Terry's point, they put up with a lot of shit, and they've and they've come out the other side of it uh, doing well. So, you know, I, 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 it's a it's a tough job, and I think it's tougher now than it's ever been. The other interesting aspect of all this to mix in the media's role is that let's face it, it you know, when Lavelle and I started covering baseball. 
there were few, very few people covering the team on a daily basis. The beat writers ended up being a very small contingent, sometimes as small as two. Uh, and you'd be in the manager's office and the manager could say, hey, by the way, off the record, this guy isn't playing because of this reason or because of this reason. Or, hey, guess what? This guy got drunk last night. I mean, you know, he I mean, right. you know, Tom Kelly, sometimes even Ron Gardenhire could say, hey, here's the deal off the record. Now, you know, and even though you can't exactly use it, you can use the information to not uh, jump to a wrong conclusion. And. Rocco's a great guy, and, and there are people in Twins organization who you can have those kind of conversations with. But Rocco now, when Rocco talks to the media before and after games, there are 15 people in there. And some of them he doesn't know or doesn't know well. He can't Correct. say, hey, by the way, off the record, this guy is, you know, this this guy has a problem at home. We're, I'm going to give him a day. He can't do it. And so, you know, and that and when the manager can't provide that kind of inside information in a confidential way, it even opens up more room for speculation. Exactly. Exactly. You made a great point about uh, the proliferation of online media in, uh, in clubhouses and managers offices pregame. Cause remember you should go there and be able to shoot the shit with the manager. Yep. You know, you get, you get all your, your, your all the necessary daily interviews done in about 10 minutes. The next 15 minutes, we're kind of just BSing about players and baseball and trends and, and then, Oh, by the way, so and so, so and so isn't going to play anything. Uh, he was not in good shape today when he got to the clubhouse. You know, there's stuff right. like that. So you, you cannot have those moments, and that's that's a that makes a difference. It does, no doubt about it. A uh, big picture here, I feel like the Twins did very well to survive a very tough stretch of schedule. Uh, three AL East teams. And then going out to Seattle, which isn't always an easy team way to play, even when the team isn't very good. Uh, and they come out of there with like what seven and five record of those four series, and with most of the uh, played without their top two starting pitchers, Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan. Uh, I was just very impressed that they were able to hang together during that stretch. Uh, you know, so I'll just throw it to you guys. What did you guys think of the Twins' performance over that stretch? To start with, Roy. It's one of the uh, key uh, keys to the season, uh, for sure, uh, is the way they played uh, uh, using, uh, you know, nightly using everyone uh, in the, in the uh, on the from the lineup to the bench, you know, day to day, almost everybody on the roster. I mean, it, it uh, they had guys hurt. They had uh, different uh, and funny looking lineups. They didn't have their regular uh, uh, pitching uh, uh, starters. Uh, they, they're still kind of searching uh, for what the ultimate plan is to to close out a game. There, there's just there's all kinds of things uh, that, as, as I watched, that if I'd have known what lineups and what pitcher usage uh, was going to happen over those twelve games, I just said, yeah, this could be a four and eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've been winning with everybody in line. It's a different guy, uh, other than Buxton hitting the you know the home runs that he's hitting. That he's hitting. It's been a it's been a different guy or a different at least a different combination of guys uh, to uh, to ultimately uh, win games, and that's impressive. I mean, I, I'm not a guy for hey, we got to rest guys, and we you know we're going to use the whole you know the whole bench, and it, I mean I I. And I'm an old school guy. I mean, you go out there and you play every day and, and all that kind of stuff um, you're, with your, your regular guys. 
but I have to acknowledge that one potential here, a potential flaw in my in my reasoning is you play everybody enough, and when you have to play the the non regulars, they perform. And there's an attitude about this team now, you know, through all 25 guys. I, I think that it's the next man up, and everybody can do it. And uh, let's go win the game. And I think um, I, I think that's a really important. Uh, collective mentality, really important psychology here that the twins are developing. And it doesn't mean that they won't go through some, you know, some, you know, four and eight stretches. But I think the fact they went seven and five in this stretch that you're talking about, Jim, the way they went seven and five is very impressive and it bodes well for, I I think, for the whole season. I give them an A, maybe almost an A plus for survival. Um, Because you remember that they were playing okay and then they went into Detroit and lost four out of five. And mm-hmm. from there, they had to go into Toronto and play the Blue Jays right when Correa was out because of COVID. Joe Ryan was out because of COVID. Sonny Gray was on the, on the aisle with the pec problem. And Kepler and three relievers were left in America because they weren't vaccinated. And they went into Toronto and took two out of three. And they beat Kevin Gosman in Sunday in Sunday's final to, uh, to win that series, which I thought was impressive. And that seemed to slingshot him into the next week where they should have won two out of three against New York. Um, that that Thursday 10-7 loss when they were up 7-3, you know, was a disaster. Um, that game should have been converted into a W. But um, they played the Yankees well, and they got after every Yankee starter in that series. Taylon on Monday, Nestor Cortez Jr., who had a 1-5 ERA on Tuesday, and then, and then hit five homers up Garrett Cole in uh, game three of that series. Um, they took two out of three against Tampa Bay, two out of three against Seattle. Here we are against Arizona, and they get out of the stretch. Um, as uh, as, um, as as uh, Roy pointed out, they went seven and five, and they'd have had to use faceless wonders like Jarrell Cotton, Tyler Thornburg, Jermaine Palacios, and Mark Contreras. Who knew that they were going to need contributions from those people, you know, in June to try to stabilize the season? But it has worked out. And now they're getting healthier. Rockwell gets to reset his rotation to, to a certain extent now. And right when the Cleveland Indians come to town next week, and it should be a hell of a series. Should be. Uh, in future weeks here, we're going to talk about Arise and his chase of the batting title. Some knows place in the organization. Celestino uh, on the rise. The bullpen, Jeffers and Sanchez as catchers. Today, though, we're going to wrap up with one more topic. Uh, Once again, thank you to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. Thanks also to Perfect Ash and TSR Injury Law. Uh, We're talking here on Friday morning. Friday night, Smeltzer is going to start. His numbers are phenomenal, uh, and he's done it while bouncing between St. Paul and Minnesota. And then Saturday, Dylan Bundy is going to start. Bundy uh, gave them a lot early in the season. He has been struggling lately. His stuff doesn't seem to match up well with really good lineups. What is the what does the future hold? The 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 near future hold for Smeltzer and Bundy. Let's start with Lavelle this time. I also forgot they also had starts during this stretch by Chichi Gonzalez and Cole Sands. Yes, I mean it's just been they've yes. had to plug and play, man, to get to this point. Um, um, as I wrote a few days ago, um, Dylan Bundy was King Kong Bundy at the beginning of the year, uh, but everybody else now is is turned into. Uh, a better wrestler type name, insert whatever favorite wrestler of the nineties that you like uh, there. 
and um, he is getting hammered now. And I, I've seen this before. I've seen it going all the way back to Sean Bergman in my first year in the beat. The Twins try this low risk, uh, high reward, potentially how high reward type signing ends up being no reward. Um, you know, through the years like Sidney Ponson or um, or Ramon Ortiz or even you know Matt Shoemaker last year, uh, Bunny seems to be in, falling in that group here uh, because he has no room for error and that. 88 to 90 mile an hour fastball has to be pinpoint. Um, I don't know what his future. I don't know if he's going to have much of a future here going forward in this rotation, uh, just because we have seen Josh Winder and it looks like he's got talent to be a major league starter. And Devin Smeltzer, you know, is going to be one of the reasons that the twins are able to survive this stretch because he's come up from the minors when needed and has pitched pitch very effectively. And I think we're all in agreement that, you know, for some reason the twins have had an inability to find a left-hander who could stick in the rotation, maybe you stick Smelter in there. And at worst case scenario, if he ends up being, a, you know, a 500 pitcher, it looks like he could be effective enough, you know, to handle some of these, um, some of these teams. So um, Devin Smelter uh, looks like he's found something. Um, I, I guess he's throwing his change up more thanks to a suggestion by his wife. Um, but to me, it seems like he's around the plate more and he's making hitters, you know, worry about throwing multiple pitches in the zone for strikes and and when you can do that, now you can start toying with hitters more. And I think that's what Smeltzer is doing to be successful. Um, he's been one of the, de- the positive developments of the year for the squad. Um, when you want to list, tick off, you know, four or five things you like about this team is that Smeltzer has helped save their bacon. Um, kind of like Luisa Rice did early when everybody, when the office was struggling and they needed someone to kind of prop up the uh, batting order. Uh, Rocco realized I got to find a way to make sure Luis is bad as in the lineup as much as possible. Now you got to find a way to see, to see if Devin Smeltzer can stay in a rotation the rest of the way. Yeah, I think that the um, low risk um, uh, acquisitions that the the club made, uh, it, Dylan Bunny being one of them. I, I, if you think about it, they had through the through the penciled in starters and two or three guys in the minor leagues. Um, Lavelle, you've made the point before that you need a lot of pitchers. We've seen that, you know, in in spades here Uh, this year, you're throwing pitches out there that you never, ever thought you would, you you would pitch. And so I I think having bodies that like Dylan Bundy that have had some success in the past, they, they have experienced their stuff might not be, there enough anymore to you know to be bona fide you know starter throughout the season but you had to you had to play the first two or three months with uh with who you had and so i think the, the stocking up on all these guys and running uh, uh running uh experienced guys veteran guys out there was the was the right thing to do as you see you know what's chris archer going to do what's uh winder going to do um it, it it, what's Smelser going to do in Triple A? And he pitched great in spring and didn't, didn't make the club. And he goes to Triple A, pitches well, comes up and spot starts and pitches great. So you get to a point now, uh, <clears throat> kind of like where we are with Kirilov killing it in Triple um, A, and and you say, okay, who are my who are my best guys? And and you, you, you narr- it, it kind of filters its own way out and now. You know, you're looking at Sonny Gray and Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan and 
um, Chris Archer, and I got to make a case for having a left-hander in there that's pitching as well as well as he is. I, I I think that I think it's at some point in time, players just force the issue, and I think um, Kirilov ultimately could be forcing the issue. And I think Devin Smeltzer is forcing the issue. I think I think he's got to be in there. You got to give him give him a chance to go out there every you know every five days or however many they're they're doing now playing now, and uh, and let him do his thing because his thing has been great against good lineups. I mean, it doesn't matter. He's pitched he's pitched well against everybody. No doubt about it. Hey, good stuff from Roy and Lavelle. Thanks to our producer Brandon Morton. Thanks to our sponsors. Check out the rest of TalkNorth.com. We have shows on pretty much every topic you, you could want. Uh, outdoors, Variety with Dave Lee, uh, Gophers with Mike uh, Mike Grimm. Uh, we've added the Pross Box, Nate Prosser, the former Wild Players, doing a show. We now have four hockey shows. Check out TalkNorth.com, and thank you for listening.